Hello and welcome to Is This Anime? I'm your anime expert, Jack Metcalf. And I'm the guy who knows nothing about anime, Malcolm McLeod. And joining us is Buck Harper. Yeah! Fantastic. Are you happy? Are you nothing happy? left on the cutting room floor. So clean. First take. <laughs> Excellent stuff. <laughs> we didn't, yeah, we haven't done this multiple times. <laughs> and this is the, the take that we're taking. <laughs> oh, no, man. Release the original cut. Release the original cut, I'd say. Anyways, um, Harper, um, what is your anime experience? Uh, I've watched quite a bit of just anime from the period of 2012 onward and in terms of simulcasts i've backtracked a bit and seen some stuff that i've missed i i was once very much into shonen uh bleach naruto what have you everything but one piece really and a friend of mine recommend uh, recommended that i check out clan ad and i've been scouring the streaming websites ever since <laughs> when, when you were recommended as a guest malcolm gave me a list of anime you just suggested and so i was like oh sweet uh vampire hunter d bloodlust uh which i had not seen uh was on this list and also a number of the shows you recommended were series i have not watched yet so i was like well shit well um we want to make this podcast happen sooner rather than later so we're gonna do the movie yeah well my favorite part about the list and this is something that i was thinking about when it because it's called vampire hunter the bloodlust is that part of your list uh if you don't mind me spelling it is there's a uh there's like a, a list of shame of just stuff that like one of those ones we will cover because <laughs> i've done a quick binging it i binged it uh, no i actually google it but um uh, uh where there was some stuff where you're like okay that's gonna be fun to cover but i thought that initially i had this one moment where i was like does the D in Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust stand for dick? Like, is this like one of those ones? Are we going down a rabbit hole here? But no, I think the D is uh, D is just a, a name of a guy. <laughs> yeah. Or not no. a guy. He's not a guy. He's like, what is it? He's a, uh, how do you even pronounce it? Uh, well, it's, here's the thing. The, I don't like what the dub does. It's supposed to be damn fear. They say damn peel, but it's supposed to be damn fear. Yeah. That's, that That's the thing. Right. I was listening to him say it. I was like, I think this is wrong, <laughs> but I don't like. I'm not a hundred percent sure. We're gonna call it damn fear. That's my choice. I've watched enough vampire material. You know, we've covered Castlevania on here, so um, yeah, Castlevania is good shit. Um, so yeah, we're gonna use damn fear. We're going against the dub, and you know what? This is you know a two thousands dub. So hey, you know sometimes they they make mistakes. I have to protest. This dub is significant. It is so good because. This was the time before voice acting had any kind of attention on it, any sort of mainstream notoriety. Voice actors were severely underappreciated and gave their all because they needed this money so bad. You know, you know who did need this money? Um, John DiMaggio, who voices like a quarter of the cast in this, which I really appreciated. Yeah, and Pamela uh, Adlon as well, which I oh. was, who's, who famously voices Bobby Hill on King of the Hill. Uh, and also, like, you know, is a great comedic actress who's, like, been on stuff like Californication uh, and oh, shit. has her own show, Better Things. She, so, like, she's yeah. credited as, as Pamela Seagull on the Wikipedia, so I didn't realize that was her. But then, yeah, I hovered over her name, and it's, yeah, Pamela Anlo Adlon. Damn, that's crazy. Yeah, Boy, she's Yeah, she was so good here. Um, the vocal fry is not something that you get. It really adds to the 2000s alternative girl aesthetic that they were shooting for with lila very interesting character in the source material as well particularly notable for um how how uh 
psychologically scarred she is. But that's that's a uh, for later. I'll get further into that. For sure. So so what? Uh, I mean, you have like a huge list. I also saw end of Ava. So once again, this is this is not going to happen for a very long time. But at some point, at some point in the podcast, when we get to Evangelion, um, I'm always like coming up with people who have seen that show because uh, Harper, you can probably attest, making Malcolm go through Evangelion would be the funniest fucking thing, right? Evangelion's a special series to me my friend because i did not finish that series and it was because it made me so sad so <laughs> otherworldly depressed uh, i was i was sad i was in california i was supposed to be having a great time i was on vacation <laughs> i was looking out into the ocean and wondering what the purpose of my existence was because i hadn't finished evangelion and didn't understand <laughs> and uh, then finished it i felt wonderful and then i watched evangelion i felt just as bad as i had in california what a fantastic series to make you feel such a thing uh have you watched the final movie yet uh, 3.0 plus 1.0 i actually haven't what it'll, it'll make you happy i guess that's my one tease it'll make you happy so oh wow yeah that's, that's why i like it that's why i got motivated to be like oh yeah we definitely have to you know the i mean this is not going to be the evangelion podcast right now but um the re <laughs> they did they did these four remake movies um which seem very daunting because you hear the word remake but they may not really be a remake they might be a continuation because uh ano is a crazy person um I was but ask, they, is Miyaki still in charge of that yeah, it's it's all it's very much Ono's work, but that fourth movie justifies the rebuild's existence for sure. Because you're like, okay, that that was the point he's trying to make. He is insane. Yeah, he's a he's a very depressed man. But by the end of watching this one, I was like, oh, I don't think he's depressed anymore. So that's sometimes good. I wonder. Uh, have you ever seen a? Have you <laughs> yeah, seen? He, he gets out of the because he's like, I finished it. I'm now happy. <laughs> yeah, it's this healing process. I don't know. You guys ever seen Blue Blazes? Aoi Hono, there's a, a Japanese not. drama. No, I haven't. No. I, 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 just a quick aside. I do recommend it purely for the purpose that it is a drama based around someone who goes to the same animation school as Ano Hideaki. He is insanely jealous of Ano Hideaki and tries to do whatever he can to get on his level. But Ano Hideaki is is he's not doing these these kitschy little cyborg nine illustrations where people are you know moon-faced and have the the swoopy hair he's like drawing missiles flying into cars and exploding them and stuff like that it's a fantastic show that's crazy uh yeah so what made you uh put vampire hunter d bloodlust on the list i guess that's my question vampire hunter d bloodlust is a special film to me i i used to live in a place here in arizona called mesa and it's it's not the it's not the most swell part of town infrastructurally so internet would go down pretty frequently and my roommate had a copy of Van, uh, Vampire Hunter D. Bloodlust that we would pop on and drink to whenever we didn't have internet. Yeah, uh, early early 2000s uh, anime watching is definitely something. I mean, that's that's mostly, uh, as, as I've told on this podcast before, I would try to download uh, Dragon Ball Z episodes on Kazaa and then uh, get hentai instead. So that exposed me to a lot. <laughs> yeah, you're getting big yeah. for really? your buck, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Really? <laughs> you were instead of uh, trying to download Linkin Park on LimeWire, <laughs> you were oh, yeah. secretly downloading I think every single person trying to download anything on Kazaa was getting hentai. That was always the thing. 
Finally, my copy of Final Fantasy VI is done down. Uh, Rance? What's Rance? <laughs> As I've told Malcolm before, I mean, we, we, it, it has been under consideration to do a, a hentai episode as a joke, but as I told Malcolm, most of, most of, yeah. most of, as a joke, and he's, he's well, winking right now, but we're not like, we don't have cameras on. He's just like real big winks. He's like, it's a joke. We're doing this for April Fools next year. Yes. He's just salivating a little bit, a little like, you got, he's just, Wipes his mouth. He's like, "Oh, it's a little spit." No, there's also a, well, the same reason I, I veto doing that is the same reason I veto doing redo of healer, just because uh, a lot of the things were consensual, and that's a hard thing to talk about. So <laughs> the lack yeah. of the lack of consent. Hard thing, yeah, you also it's hardly to talk about when your thing is hard, if you know what I mean. And he's winking okay. again. I'm I'm the one winking this time. We'll uh, talk about that. So let's talk about vampire. Let's talk about Vampire Hunter D. So this started off as a series of novels written by author Hideki Kikuchi, and they were also illustrated by Yoshitaka Amano in 1983. Malcolm, guess how many novels of this series there are? Just pick pick a number. Well, this one, okay, so I know for a fact that based on the credits that this is actually was based on volume three. Uh, so I so there has to be a minimum of three. I'm gonna go with uh i'm just gonna throw out a number i'm gonna say maybe uh thir 13 let's just say 13. 51. <laughs> what 51. there's 51 of these 51 I, mean, of these. I, I shouldn't be surprised i mean based on like how everyone loves vampire fiction and like you know growing up in the era of like peak twilight um uh, yeah, 51. 51. That's so many. 51, man. Yeah, and he, this guy has also like written other novel series. He's written a series called Wicked City. Um, he's got some other stuff. So you know, he's a he's a prolific dude, Kikuchi. So these are novels. They're not like like manga works. Like he's just like actually just writing like. There's there's been a couple of manga adaptations. Or are they like more graphic novel kind of deals? Uh, my knowledge in the realm of Vampire Hunter D is pretty strictly related to the movie i have done a little bit of poking around um based on the fact that there are illustrations it could be light novels i'm just too lazy to check into it frankly yeah i would assume it's kind of like light novels where like there's like illustrations in between like the pages or whatever but they're not like purely like uh manga you know what i mean because there is yeah. no string attached to the series so i would that assume it's kind of like light novels where it's like you know there's a picture every like 30 pages or something like that but yeah, no, there's been five audio dramas, only one video game. That's the biggest shock because in my notes, uh, we'll get to my notes about how game-like game, game -like this movie feels, but there's only been actually one Vampire Hunter D video game and it came out in 1999 for the PlayStation. Yeah, you'd think that there'd be some sort of revival with this considering like, I don't know, when I was watching this movie, I felt like I was like, huh, the Underworld series really stole a lot from this movie. Like it just felt like, just the like the color tone and like so much of like what the vibe was feels very much like Underworld was like, ha, huh, what if we well, did I, this but with white people instead? I mean, I for me it was like Dark Souls and Bloodborne vibes completely. The grim dark fantasy <laughs> is very heavy in intonation in all of the the literature and the But I guess that it was nineties, like this is like, at least in the nineties and early two thousands with like Blade and stuff like that. It's just all kind of had this similar like like leather and goth in vampires but this one doesn't have that i want to say that like this one doesn't have like the, the goth i just like i don't know like for me when i was in university i went to uh uh this university uh, sfu some fraser university and when i was uh first year in dorms 
uh, they filmed an underworld movie on canvas. <laughs> so like, I have this like weird memory of just like seeing like extras and like Kate Beckinsale just walking around canvas, like in these like crazy underworld outfits. Um, when I'm trying to just like get to like my first year, like English class. <laughs> Jealous. Um, They've only ever filmed Transformer movies out by me. So oh, no. the very first adaptation of Vampire Hunter D was released in Japan in 1985. And as part of the early anime boom in North America in the 90s, it came out in 1993. And uh, production on Bloodlust started after fan demand for more D. Uh, Kikuchi felt the 1985... Yeah, fans do want more D. I know, exactly. They demanded it. They demanded the D. So Kikuchi felt the 1985 film was too cheap looking and he wanted a better looking film. So, as Malcolm said, this is based off the third novel, which is titled D Demon Death Chase, which is a lovely title. There's a, there's a lot of D's in that title as well. I guess, I guess you know, alliteration D-Demon is nice. Death Chase. Japanese are also fond of alliteration. I also like that Death Chase is spelled like one word. <laughs> yeah, Death Chase is just one word. Um, here's the thing. I mean, we, we do get like a little um, text prologue, but I, it, it was not made clear to me that this took place 10,000 years after a nuclear war. That's one thing where I was like, oh, okay. Because for some reason, even though it did say the distant future, I was still like, no, this still must be like the 1800s or some shit. Yeah, that my thinking was it was like distant future. I was like, huh, so it was like, we're starting like, what, like in the 1700s? And then it's like in the distant future when that the distant future was like yeah, 18, like eight, you know, but, 18 something. But yeah. I mean, at, that, at the same time, I'm kind of going like, I don't know why it matters at a certain point when it's like 10,000 years before the start of the story. It's like humans are like, you know, like we're, what is it? We're in the, we're recording this in the year of, uh, uh, two, uh, you know, 2022. <laughs> like we're not yeah. even like, that's, we'd have like 8,000 more years just to like get to the point of like when this nuclear like Holocaust happened and when this story kind of starts. <laughs> 10,000 years think. after. Like assuming we, assuming that nuclear Holocaust happened, uh, on the year zero, uh, which I think has something to do with Jesus's death, but who knows? Malcolm was not raised as a Christian, so he doesn't know his history, unlike me, and also <laughs> will be going to hell. So, there's that <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I myself. Uh, came from a non-denominational family. <laughs> I I was baptized, therefore, even though I may not identify with the church anymore, I'm still guaranteed heaven, unlike you guys. Well, I don't know. I don't know about you, Harper. Maybe you were. <laughs> I shouldn't. I shouldn't put words into your mouth. God's gonna. God's gonna look you dead in the eye and say, "How many episodes of Interspecies Review have you seen?" Huh? Oh fuck! <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's like, please, oh God, God, please forgive me. <laughs> God, oh man, it's, please forgive me, God. I've been downloading hentai and been saying that I've been trying to just watch Dragon Ball instead. No. Do you know the entire title of Ore Emo? God is a weeb, man. God is a weeb. Um, God, yeah. Let's actually talk about this movie. So, kind yeah, of the God, God of, is an otaku. So, the crux of this film is that this vampire named Baron Meyer Link has uh, kidnapped this woman named Charlotte. Uh, our hero D has been offered a ten million dollar bounty to free Charlotte, which D uh, negotiates to twenty million because he's just that kind of guy. The opening scene of this movie, by the way, I don't know if we could go back. Just yeah, real let's quick. go back, man. The the imagery to me of the crucifixes withering before the the superiority of the vampire and his cool like uh, night rider horses that have the single unit visors on them for blinders, uh, just such 
cool and well-framed, well-colored images. And everything right up to Meyer showing up in, I believe her name, Charlotte's Window, is, is so exciting to me. It betokens that sort of you're in for a good time thing people like to shoot back then. I mean, this movie is absolutely gorgeous for one thing. Like, Yeah, I will say, like, from a, just a visual standpoint, this is, like, one of the better uh, animated films we've seen. Like, this this is up there with, like, some of the Satoshi Kon movies in terms of just, like, oh, yeah, they're putting a lot, like, yeah. into just the art design here. Because there are some movies of... that I feel like, you know, kind of cut corners for whatever reason, but this one they're just like, no, we're going for it. And it's funny because I watched this on YouTube uh, because it's uploaded to YouTube and hasn't been taken down in like two years. But, um, but a lot of a lot of the comments are just like, love the art style. You know, this every frame of this is a masterpiece. We should be, you know, every frame should be in a museum, which is, you know, very uh, funny. <laughs> it, it, they're absolutely right, too. You could pause this movie at any frame and there's no like between framing. There's no uh, weird zoomed out faces where it's just like two dots and a smiley face. I see some of that in today's uh, product. And I won't say that it chafes on me because I understand. Have you guys ever tried to try to draw like a schoolyard with people in it? It takes forever. I'm, I'm a terrible uh, like artist. I can't draw for shit. Like I, it's funny, I've had, mul when I was in like, yeah, like grade school, I had multiple teachers in different grades like tell me, I would just like doodle. I know when I was born in class, I would look at the doodles and be like, hmm, you know what? You shouldn't go to art school. <laughs> like I was like, no. like, it happened at like fifth grade, it happened in like seventh grade or like eighth grade and like happened in like 10th grade. And, there, and it was, yeah, three different, yeah, it was my, it was like an uh, English teacher I had, uh, Mr. Robodeau, who, uh, to be fair, was always like, you know, kind of uh, always pulling jokes. Like I, I was kind of a bit of a class clown in his English class. And then uh, it was my tech ed teacher, like my woodshop teacher. He was just like, oh, man, uh, you can't draw. Uh, but I could build a hell of a uh, mouse car or a mouse trap like car, like racer. Uh, I held the record for for, for like my entire high school experience. Like, listen to him, Malcolm. They were all in on it together. They were just yeah. Trying to and, then, and then my uh, yeah. Then it was I think it was my seventh grade teacher, Mr. Moore, who was a former fisherman who became a teacher for some goddamn reason, <laughs> and like was more concerned about teaching me and like the rest of the class uh, every kind of salmon. There's so many kinds of salmon. I didn't realize how many kinds of salmon there are. Uh, he was more concerned about that than anything else. <laughs> so salmon. Yeah, you know, sockeye, uh, kokanee, <laughs> uh, etc. I could go on, but this isn't uh, is this salmon podcast. This is is this anime. <laughs> An episode, different episode for sure. Different episode. Yeah, I need. I'm looking for a salmon based uh, uh, anime. I'm sure that exists. And I'm sure it's <laughs> sexy as hell. <laughs> the immediate pan from the from the scene where Myers appears in uh, Charlotte's Widow is the title, which is just on a metal plate, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I think that any anime that opens in a desert, opens in a desert in an abandoned, like, exploded church, that's a guarantee of a good time. This yeah. is not the only one to do it. I think, um, was it Gun X Sword? Or something I've, like that? I've seen, I've seen Gun X Sword because it was part of a, a series of video games called Super Robot Wars, and I, I insisted on uh, playing every uh, game, every series involved in the game. So I watched that one. That was a good time. Reminds me a lot of Trigun too. Anything yeah. in the desert, I'm just yeah. happy to be along. 
For sure. I mean, Cowboy Bebop's had its desert episodes. I think for me, like, one, one thing that's also interesting is, like, the fact that it's set in a desert. And this is, like, a vampire story. So it's sort of, like, this, like, I don't know, this the, the juxtaposition of seeing, like, you know, vampires kind of in a desert setting where you're, like, in the daytime, there's, like, not really anywhere to hide <laughs> for, like, them to be, like, shielded from the sun. So I don't know why. that There's such an, like, intriguing, like, counterbalance to it all. Also sure. lays out an important part of the the subtext of it all where uh, I forget what the parasite is called. Is it just left hand? Yeah, it's called left hand. Again, that was the thing. This movie doesn't go out of its way to explain too much. You're just like, oh, what's the deal with that hand? It talks. Um, but yeah, it's called left hand. Yeah, you got to have someone do the expository dialogue. Left hand's your guy. Interesting. I, I don't know how uh, D got left hand. Like I said, my knowledge of Vampire Hunter D is pretty much in the realm of this movie. I do like how close his voice resembles John Goodman's in the English dub. I'm infinitely entertained by that. Yeah, oh, I didn't pick up on that, but I, you're kind of right. Like, there is a bit of a, a John Goodman. Like, yeah, like if John Goodman was, you know, wasn't in like Roseanne at the time, I, and like, I feel like, like, I'm surprised. Like, I don't feel like John Goodman's just enough of a, like a prolific actor that I'm almost surprised that he has never like truly like done like an anime dub at some point like i feel like he just says yes to everything uh so uh, so what i've just read uh left hand's origins have never been revealed despite there being uh 51 novels that seems like a bit of an oversight but i won't uh, i won't tack him too hard on that <laughs> <laughs> yeah you think like at some point they'd be like hmm we should uh we should talk about who this guy really is but i guess i, I also kind of like the audacity to be like no we will never know anything about this guy We'll do fi- I'll do 50 plus novels and you'll never know. <laughs> like, I kind of love yeah. that too. Like, just like, I feel like at a certain point it becomes a choice to be like, I'm not telling you. Authors have the, the unique ability to pass things off as if they are completely normal. And this is just one of those things. There's so many shows I could think of where it's just like a stylistic choice for them to be like, I don't have to explain it. You've already accepted it anyway. Um, so, so, um, Charlotte's father, he is voiced by John DiMaggio, one of, one of many John DiMaggio characters in this. God bless you, DiMaggio, you voiced. I, I love it. I love it. Before he got, you know, Futurama money, before he was too good for anime, he was doing this. Yeah, well, he, he was, I think at this point when this movie comes out in like 2000, right? Like this is. So he's just starting Futurama at this point. Like he, because Futurama starts in 99. So he's not like Futurama has not taken off. He hasn't been able to like cultivate the fan base that he has now. Uh, and so, yeah, like this is just like at that time where it's like, all right, I still need the money and I'm not like too good for this stuff. Although, you know, looking at like his kind of IMDb, he does like 10, yeah, like, he kind of stopped doing anime voiceovers, although he still obviously does like a ton of like video games and, um, a lot of superhero uh, stuff, like DC and mostly DC. But yeah, that's a, it's such an interesting thing where it's just like they get him just before he like blows up. He was also uh, featured in the video game uh, Final Fantasy X as Waka, who is a... Uh, uh, is that really him? Waka? Yeah, he's Waka. He's Waka, a character who is uh, very dated. Um, <laughs> Whoa, I mean, come on. That was... Oh uh, my God. When, did, when did 10 come out? It's like, like two, uh, 2001, 2002 or something. All right, so that's a little dated. But I mean, yeah. it's not like it was based off of any... Um... I mean, he's like a, he's like a white Ro- Ro- Rastafari character. It's just... Hey, come uh, on, but, uh, 
Exactly. <laughs> a, a, white, a white Rastafarian character who is also a racist. So that's the other issue. <laughs> He's really good at blitzball, though, so we're letting him in the league. Exactly. No, I, I love Final Fantasy X. It's just funny that John DiMaggio is in that game. Um, as a blitzball player. <laughs> well, as a, as a party member in a very incredibly prominent role. <laughs> Um, but again, this is, you know, early John DiMaggio. So, you know, props to them for getting him in this. Yeah. Cause he, what is it? You think about it, like John DiMaggio is probably what the, a, he's a superstar in the world of voice acting, right? Like I, there's like very few people at his level of fame who are just like, all I really do is voice act and then maybe um, show up in like one or two sitcoms. Well, now he's doing more live action. He was saying, you know, he was saying that he's in, um, Fuck! I just forgot the uh, the new vampire thing. Uh, interview with a vampire. They're doing an interview with a vampire, a, a TV version. He says he's in that, so he's doing more. Like yeah. That. Well, he was also in Mythic Quest on Apple yeah. TV, uh, and and he was also he actually was also in Better Call Saul. I was gonna say that. Yeah. So he's he's moving up. He's moving up, which is why he needed more money for Futurama. So good for him. <laughs> Uh, well, no, because he's the—he's really the star of Futurama. <laughs> like, oh, no, he's Bender, great. Like, you, you fucking you, deserved it. You fucking yeah. deserved it. Ben, Bender's the reason I watched Futurama, not Fry. Uh, but anyways, let's talk about uh, another character voiced by John DiMaggio, who are uh, the Marcus brothers, led by Borgoff Marcus. Um, these are the rivals uh, to D, and... Um, you know, they, they did okay. They did okay. I thought they were going to uh, uh, get knocked off way earlier. So I oh, guess, Marcus yeah, I mean, you know, none of them survive except for uh, Layla, who is not technically uh, a brother of them. So I guess, you know, but yeah, that whole family does die by the end of this movie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it kind of seemed like it was, they were destined you, to die. You, I mean, they're vampire hunters, a world where... Vampires are, you know, are, a little, are way more sympathetic than the hunters. <laughs> I mean, who was gonna who was gonna win this? D or the Marcus brothers? You kind of knew going in. Yeah, D. but you kind of you kind of want a, one Marcus brother to be like, guys, are we doing the right thing? <laughs> yeah. Or again, this is why I say this movie feels like a video game because again, these are like characters I would like to play in a video game because like Borgoff, he has like um, kind of this crossbow where he can also curve the arrows. Again. Very, very video gamey. Um, who was it? I just forgot you, their name. You Kyle? Well, Kyle's got the. Kyle's got like the um, kind of like a glaive or whatever. Yeah, it's it's like well, he's got like the four. They be kind of basically like almost like you can spin them around. They're sort of like a yeah. they're like early. Uh, it's what I believe fidget spinners were uh, designed around. It's called the glaive, Malcolm. It's called the glaive. <laughs> it's called the glaive. The glaive? Is a glaive? Are you saying glaive? I don't understand what you just said. Are you saying glaive? Like glove? Malcolm, like Malcolm, glaive. Malcolm, stop fucking playing shitty Ubisoft games and play good games because then you'd know what a fucking glaive is. <laughs> I, or glaive. Listen, just because I love Far Cry 5. <laughs> and uh, Riders uh, Republic, all right? Riders, Riders Republic. Uh, I play Assassin's Creed, so there we go. I'm still part of the Ubisoft cult. Yeah, um, you're, part of, you're part of the family, all right. You're a Canadian. You have to support it. It's a Montreal-based company. We should. We should. You love. I know. Mind. I know that Mythic Quest is your favorite Apple TV show. Malcolm, do you know? Do you know the crimes that uh, Ubisoft has been accused of lately? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I assume. Yeah, I assume <laughs> it's not good. It's, it's a pretty terrible. Yeah. Not good. Say, after the accusations came out, I stopped paying for uh, Ubisoft Plus. Um, Were you freaking what? 
You paid for it in the first place? Okay, I didn't so want to pay imagine, imagine just not only buying a Ubisoft game and not pirating <laughs> it, but playing on Ubisoft Plus for that game where they they will literally take your license if you don't log into the Ubisoft launcher every so often. Like It's like four years or something you haven't logged in. They'll just like revoke your licenses. <laughs> Ubisoft is the worst. They are, I didn't yeah. know about that. They I never said that. I, I will so. say the only reason I was doing Ubisoft Plus was because I didn't want to pay full price for any of the games. So it was easier to pay like whatever like it's like $19 $20 uh to go for like the month or two that I'm going to play one of their games and then just, and then just like cancel it <laughs> I'm just in and out yeah no I got to get my watchdogs fix I tried oh. I tried playing watchdogs legion during the free weekend I'm like sweet I'm going to play all this cuz it's free and then I played an hour and it's like this is bad so I didn't Oh yeah it. it's super bad you're like oh these people think they know they're like they were trying to do like an edgy version of Mr. Robot, and then they forgot that Mr. Robot is already incredibly edgy. <laughs> and also good and well-written and interesting, and also yeah. the gameplay wasn't fun, so it this failed pod- in many This podcast stands Sam Esmail. <laughs> quick reminder, um, quick reminder, something that I'd never let go from Ubisoft again, before we move on. They oh, yeah. give the PC release of Watch Dogs. The, uh, but the, the Marcus brother I wanted to talk to, in fact, fuck it, I'm just going to pose a question. Um, folks, which Marcus brother would you like to play the most in a video game? Like, if you were going to be like, you have the cho- and also we can include uh, Layla in there too because why not? Because she's part of the crew. Which which uh, character you play are you playing in the video game? Because I'm gonna go with Grove because Grove can astral project. That's fucking cool. I like his astral projection form. Go with Layla. Layla's badass. Layla is pretty badass. I mean, yeah. I mean, Layla's you know kind of like the protagonist, so it's sort of hard to be like to not you know you want to choose her. But think about her abilities though. Like think about who has the most interesting abilities. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. Nolt can definitely take I'm a hit. Of, You're gonna need a Nolt. Yeah, I was gonna say I kind of like Nolt as like just like as a big brutish character. Like it's he almost feels like he he came out of like a God of War game. Like I almost feel yeah. like like that. But it, so like there's a bit of like a you know like oh that's more typical of like you know he's just like big guy with like I'm, what is his weapon again? It's like not a, quite a hammer. Hammer with a spike on it. Yeah, it's like a yeah, it's a hammer with a spike on it. So. Um, so I, I guess I'd probably go with Nolt. Also because John DiMaggio voiced him, and hopefully in a video game they can call and get him back. They're like, listen, I know you don't do anime dubs anymore, but you do do video games. So come back, please. You and David Hayter, you link up with David Hayter, and we get a, a bunch of deep-voiced fellas. Yeah, we'll do it. Yeah, you, yeah. I just, <laughs> just the all-stars. Nolan North will all there. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're spending the big bucks here. Yeah, we're, we're spending to, uh, we're spending top tier. Um, we have blown the budget on English VA. Uh, where were we in the plot? We were just talking about the, the Marcus Brothers' uh, first big action scene. I should also mention they have a train that doesn't require um, rails, which is interesting. Yeah, they so it's not it a train. train. It's... Oh, well, it looks like a train, though. It, kind of it looks, looks like, like a train, train but it's not a train. I do it love is. that, though. I love the, like, the element of just like driving what is probably a... So what would, I guess officially be classified as a truck, but it's really, it should okay. be on a rails. Like it's, it's, on, it's literally off the rails. <laughs> my favorite vehicle from any piece of media. That is the fuck mobile right there. It I is agree. a foot of steel between you and every zombie in the world. It's got turrets. Everything on it's a crucifix. It even shines crucifix lights. It's incredible. Oh, yeah. It's brilliant. Like I think, oh yeah, like that's like, that's what I really want to Right? It's like, I want to be behind the wheel of that. Like going through town, and yeah, like I know this is a vampire story, but like you just said, uh, Harper, this would be incredible. Uh, like 
in a van, also in a zombie series. <laughs> just, just, just to drive to work on the I-10. Oh, yeah, just, just be like, fuck you guys. Uh, <laughs> that reminds me of that one guy. I think it was, who was it? It was like years ago. I think it was in like Colorado where he, uh, I think he ended up building his basically his own homemade tank and just like driving it around like like Denver or something. Uh, like a, I forget what the yeah the actual story was, but it was just yeah. like incredible. You're like this guy's a fucking like boss, and I think he did die. The killdozer, uh, yeah, the killdozer guy is definitely uh, dead or incarcerated. Yeah, I think it was a kill. Was it killdozer? Yeah, the guy didn't want to pay taxes. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, he was a libertarian. <laughs> Extreme libertarian. Yeah. We've been talking about this uh, movie for 40 minutes and we're only 10 minutes into it. So, well, who cares? Yeah. We're, we're having fun. <laughs> I, we're, having, so, we're having fun. So, I'll let you take the lead, Harper. This is also one of my favorite scenes in this movie the, where they first unveil the Marcus brothers and their, their big ass tank. And uh, they just lay into a bunch of ghouls. Uh, I don't know if these ghouls have any affiliation with the Barbaroi or if the Barbaroi is a classification of night creatures. But watching, uh, watching like Borgoff shoot them with his silver arrows, and watching that one especially curve around the tree, so so good, so well animated. Everything has the perfect complementary color. Uh, the tank is literally shining UV crucifixes onto them to scare them and shoot, so they can pick them off. Oh yeah. Um, and in addition to that, I have a question for you guys about this scene. Borgoff turns to his brothers because the the Dunpeel arrives. I'm sorry, the Dunfear arrives just as they've slayed all these ghouls. And uh, Borgoff makes mention of the story of the squirrel and the owl. This could be a translation issue. It's supposed to be a joke. But the joke is essentially the squirrel spends... All fall collecting berries and nuts, and an owl swoops by and takes them. And the punchline is the squirrel says, "What's going to happen to all that good food?" Yeah, I didn't I, get it. I, was I, like, I didn't get it. I it felt like, I, yeah, it almost felt like I was like, like I was like, I think there's like, there's got to be something like if because yeah, it is played like this punchline, and you're like, wait, I feel like it's like missing one, like it's it needs a tag, like just like it needs like one more thing, like it needs to have like a response, like the owl says something witty. Um, and instead he doesn't. So it has to be a translation issue. Like I feel like they must have be. literally done. It's like a Japanese wordplay thing where they, they it's just like the word that means owl is also the word that means waste or something stupid like that. For sure. I think it has to be. Like because like, yeah, other than because it almost would be done if that was it, and then they were like, you know, the writer's uh, original writer was like, Huh? You like that? Isn't that funny? And then everyone's going, What? <laughs> Both well, you, you know, out there in podcast land know what the joke is. Feel free to tell me. Tell me off to my face. Yeah, please. Yeah, if you let, let us know, you can uh, always uh, contact us on our social medias, which we'll include in the show notes below, and I'll talk about at the end of the podcast. <laughs> sure. Fuck. Sure. Where are we? I have guys? no opinion on this matter. <laughs> where are Where are we, guys? Uh, Thinking about hentai. So this is the this is after the point where this joke is told. Layla gets on the side-mounted motorcycle on yeah. the side paneling of the tank and starts to take off after the Dunpeel Dunfear, who is going towards uh, uh, Meyer's strange uh, like uh, 
refractory fortress that he has in the middle of nowhere. Okay, yeah, I like I like this because there's this uh, sequence where um, D is flicking rocks to kind of uh, dodge the eye lasers. It's like to like distract them or whatever, so they don't uh, get him. My man can fit a lot of rocks in his hand. Yeah, and he can just flick them like nothing else. I love that. Uh, I love the general scenery too. It's like at sunset, so the refractory fortress is also taking on the aspect of the surroundings. So it's like this weird, uh, this weird camouflaged ref- reflection of the sunsetting sky while lasers are being shot from eyeballs inside the fortress. It's incredibly surreal as a scene. Yeah, because that's like the point where I'm starting to go like, okay, there, yeah, like the, you know, um, that there's like I guess all more space elements to this than I thought. Wait, or am I thinking something else? We'll just cut this part. Uh, you keep going. Sing some copyrighted music so the editor takes it out. Yeah. Oh, that hasn't stopped me in the past. <laughs> oh no, I saw the sign. Uh, the the Dunfer gets close enough to the refractory fortress. Left hand is giving some exposition concerning the defenses or something like that. And uh, then Layla comes charging up on the bike and just totally makes everything that D did look like a joke. Like all that caution. She's just like whizzing past him. The carriage comes out from the, the garage of the fortress, if you will. And yeah. she's literally wall riding on this unicycle and has an RPG on her shoulder. <laughs> I mean, she's a badass. Like, it's, uh, she's just, yeah. Like, it's so interesting. Like, her brothers are, you know, are a little dim with her. Uh, but they just, like, I don't know. I, I really liked her, like, the costume design for her as well. Like, can, cause everyone's kind of like, I don't know. Like, there's like, again, everyone's like kind of wearing leather jackets and the rest of it. And she looks like she's like, just finished a race in like the speed racer universe. Yeah, her shoulder pads are wicked. Yeah. It's a very 80s. <laughs> like it's just like this very 80s. Another thing that's really cool about this scene is when she's while riding that refractory fortress is she has her crucifix headlight on. Oh, and yeah. it's reflecting off of the fortress side. <laughs> I don't know. That shit's so cool to me. <laughs> um so we have D fighting uh Meyer. Uh they're fighting like on the carriage, but then it's also suggested uh, that Charlotte may actually have chosen to be kidnapped. This is also a fantastic scene because they're in what appears to be like a freeway tunnel. Yeah, I thought that was cool as shit. It was so nice. And the lighting is, is like this really cool blue. So it just perfectly illuminates these two with gray skin having this very strange confrontation. Meyer looks a lot like, uh, in my opinion, like 80s Ova Dio, you know, with his weird hair beads and his short stock. Uh, sort of curved upward, sharp nose. Uh, I think what Charlotte does is call out Meyer's name or something like that. Yeah. But to me, it just sort of sounds like she's like, no, stop. Uh, yeah, it definitely makes the story more interesting than just, you know, a standard, you know, vampire kidnaps a lady and they have to kill him. I was yeah. always well, under the assumption that it was like hypnotism or something. You know, it's a classic vampire trope where uh, they'll enthrall whoever their newest victim is, but uh, that's that's more for later on anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, this this follows, yeah, it's because it's like that, you know, the Dampier, how do these Dampiers, you know, exist? Oh, it's because it's like there's an actual, like, union, quote-unquote, uh, between a vampire and a mortal human. 
you know, that results in these creatures. Although I just got to say, I was thinking about like Dampiers and like the idea of uh, like, oh, you know, half human, half vampire. And I'm like, isn't it that like every vampire has to be human at some point to become a vampire? Like are like, you know, like wouldn't they just be ghouls if they're not, if they don't start off as humans? But I guess like, I guess like when they change into vampires, it changes like everything, like including their DNA. So they get like, you know, that sweet, sweet vampire cum or whatever. <laughs> like, is that what happens? I thought I knew what you were you talking about. You answer the question, Jack. <laughs> I thought I knew what you were talking about. And then you said vampire cum. And I was like, what the fuck have I been paying attention to? <laughs> Malcolm's the head at the Institute of Genetically Modified Cum. We have to indulge him on some things. Yes, oh, please. my God. Um, uh, do you want to talk about the Marcus brothers, their first yeah. loss? Uh, so they attack this carriage, which it turns out is an illusion. And then poor Nolt uh, gets killed when this one dude stabs his shadow, which causes him to get fucked up. Nolt did try to lay the smack down on his bitch ass. Yeah, uh, he did. Yeah. Took, a, took a fat swing. Uh, it's the work of the Barbaroi, of course. Uh, this particular Barbaroi is some sort of shadow melder. Um, I wrote his name down here. Bengi. Uh, the, the one who melts into the shadows. Again, this is all such video game shit. It's like, oh my god, if this guy uh, hits your shadow, you die or something. Yeah, and I kind of love that. I was like, that's a really cool uh, just image when I, when that was happening, I was like, "Huh, all right." I've never, I don't feel like I've seen that before personally, uh, you know, because I haven't consumed a lot of this kind of content, and so I was just like, "Oh yeah, that, like that's fun." Yeah, like you said, Jack, this would kill in a video game. Like this would just be like, "Oh yeah, I'm surprised video games haven't been ripping this off left, right, and center." And maybe they have, but I just haven't been paying attention. You haven't, you haven't been playing Bloodborne or Dark Souls. Um... No, <laughs> no. As you can tell, I'm uh, right now currently a shell for. Ubisoft. <sighs> this would have been great in the era of God of War, like uh, ARPGs. Action oh, RPGs. that's what I was thinking. I was thinking more God of War. Like I get again, Nolt reminds me of the you know of the lead of God of War in some ways, mostly just because they're both like big and you know physically imposing guys. You think the hardest mode would be Down Fear Must Die difficulty? Ooh, probably. Oh, it'd be it'd be it'd be up there, if not the. It's probably someone out there laughing. I heard you. Anyway. Okay. So so when um D goes into the keep, we see a ton of fucking uh, monsters. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, and we see like who, who is this character exactly? Old man Barbaros, or what exactly is his name? He's the Barbaroy. Uh, he's just the Barbaroy. The Barbaroy. <laughs> That's okay. how he's listed anyway. Um yeah. he's a protector of the night folk of sorts. Um the dialogue that Barbaroy and people like Bengi deliver in this scene. It, it comes across as like a literal translation where they're just like doing these run on sentences. And uh, th this is kind of a weird issue or a non issue, depending on your perspective. With the dialogue throughout the entire film is that people will deliver uh, almost expository dialogue in a way that it sounds like two sentences were sort of Franken stitched together. I think it adds to the charm. Yeah, it's uh, that they couldn't get him to go come back to the recording booth. So just like, okay, what did he say in this take? Okay, what did he say in that take? Just put it together. I also just like the fact that he's riding a unicycle. Yeah. <laughs> he's doing donuts in the parking lot on the oh, stupid yeah. unicycle. Yeah, so it made me realize that I want more unicycle 
content and the things I watch. Like, I don't know. Sometimes like, okay, I'll be honest. Once uh, I did like, uh, I don't I, this happened to, this actually happened to me. I was riding one of these like city owned bikes, like here in Vancouver, they're called Moby bikes and they're super heavy. They have these heavy, heavy bikes and they had just come out. And so I was like biking to the beach to meet up with some friends and I'm like on the seawall in Vancouver, I'm biking. And then this guy goes up, he's like, ah, oh, so those are new, huh? And I like look to my side and it's a like guy on a unicycle and he's keeping up with me on like, like on the seawall. And I'm biking like pretty fast. Like I'm like huffing and puffing. And uh, all of a sudden I'm like, and he's like, huh, you know, like, are they good? And that stuff. And he like puts out a full conversation with me for like five minutes. And he's like, all right, well, that's good to know. Anyways, I got to go. And then he speeds up on the unicycle and just completely like beats me. And I'm just like going like, oh my God. And like, these bikes are heavy. But I was like, how the hell is this guy like this fast on a unicycle. It was uh, almost, I almost crashed because I was so distracted by what I was just experiencing. Uh, you don't expect having any kind of conversation with anyone who's riding a unicycle. So nonchalantly. You were getting uh, flexed on. So oh, I was, yeah, I was getting flexed. I was, I was so bothered by it. Afterwards, I like go to my, they're like, you look like, you kind of disoriented. I'm like, you won't believe what just happened to me. <laughs> this unicycle is flexed barbarally. on me. <laughs> This fucking demon with jester outfits on fucking rode right past me on a unicycle. Yeah, it would only have been worse if he was juggling at the same time. <laughs> yeah, that would have been pretty bad. I think I would have to hang the bike up forever. Yeah, I'd be like, you know what? I will. I'm retiring. <laughs> I've retired. You on the motors on the on the unicycle? He's juggling. He's like, "What's up, bitch tits? How's the bike? Is that new?" Yeah, I'd be like, I guess I got to go pull out the old razor scooter. <laughs> I'm back. I'm oh. back. <laughs> So. Uh, so in the middle of all this, uh, we finally get to see Grove uh, using his astral form to kill like hundreds of monsters, which I thought that was pretty fucking dope. Again, man, if we're playing the video game of this, I'm picking Grove. That that must be such a meter to build up. You have to kill so many people with. Uh, oh yeah. The <laughs> other brothers before you can press the right trigger button and yeah. Grover. I suppose that's the thing. Maybe Grovey isn't even a playable character. It's just like, yeah, you just have to charge him and then you get to use him for, you know, 10 seconds as like a super move. So Maybe. Cool. He's we're, smiling the whole time. We're, we're, we're just going to design this entire game by the end of this podcast. We're just going to fully design the Vampire Hunter D Bloodless video game. Yeah, which, <laughs> which is the uh, the publisher that we pitched this to, which is... Well, obviously one. From Software, man. Yeah, From Software is hot From right Software, now. yeah. I was Elden say. Ring, man. Elden Ring, Dark Souls, Bloodborne. I mean, they're... they're Vampire they're Hunter the D. Well, yeah, let's get... We'll get the uh, content, the, uh, the adaptation of it. We can yeah. all go back on Ukes. Yeah. Uh, um, so, <laughs> so, unfortunately, the Marcuses, they can't uh, catch a break because uh, this liquid metal vampire fucks their vehicle up uh what's the name of her thought she i mean i wouldn't even call her liquid metal it seems like her power is alchemy one i think her power is to like take on the properties of whatever she's touching yeah Yeah. so it's kind of like alchemy or something like that or that's why was that caroline no that wasn't caroline no I, i don't know her name even if she's credited i don't think they ever refer to her directly she is cool though. Uh, yeah. Her her name is Caroline. Yeah. Oh, is it is Caroline. Caroline. Yeah. Yeah. I was just looking because I was like, wait, who, okay, what is it? But yeah, I guess she's cool. Yeah, like I, I'm not hundred percent sure they use her name. Yeah. There's a but lot that's... of C C in this uh for female names. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, it's like English translation. They're like Charlotte, uh, Caroline. <laughs> Um, so when they go into town, uh, we Carmilla. see Carmilla. Oh yeah. Carmilla is the other one. <laughs> Car- all... 
Carmilla I recognize from Castlevania because there's a Carmilla vampire in that. So I think well, that's well, I found out when I was just like doing a quick little search before the recording that Carmilla is uh, based uh, on a character from a uh, 1872 Gothic novella by um, Sheridan Lafonu, uh, a name I believe I just butchered right now, um, who I guess it's like considered one of the earliest vampire fiction like written um that actually predates dracula by 26 years okay. and uh, it's just about like a lesbian vampire so uh, and it's i guess it's uh yeah it's famous for you know kicking off like you know lesbianism and vampires and like all that stuff so like if anyone ever argues they're like you know the gay agenda is new it's like that's ah, been happening since the 1800s at least i mean the greeks were pretty gay too there's a lot of cultures that you know, exactly like, exactly it's, <laughs> it's just ingrained in human nature so um yeah like, as, as, as i've tried to explain to my friends like puritanism is actually a newer concept yeah it's uh, more common to find people who will fuck anything that moves exactly <laughs> it's just now recently people are more open to be alive i'm, I'm here to fuck <laughs> fucking we're in, the, we're in a weird middle ground but that's a societal issue i'm that's here talking a, about vampires exactly also for whatever reason i thought carmilla like because her last name's uh bathory i thought it was like she was gonna be and, and i wasn't 100 sure you know like there's that famous like elizabeth bathory like that like the famous serial killer woman from like yeah. the 1800s was she related were they related at all because like that was it's such a like a specific last name for her to have uh, that I was like, oh, she's got to be related. I almost thought it was like the vampire of Elizabeth Bathory, but I don't think that's the case. You're talking about like in the movie, is she named Bathory, Carmilla? Yeah. Well, let's say in the movie, that's what she, her last name's credited as. I mean, I, I would assume so anyway, because a lot of these mangaka, they don't really think about this kind of thing. They like read something and they're just like, that sounds cool. Yeah. I mean, it's a cool last name. And she's like, uh, you know, known as like probably like, she's probably the most famous uh, female serial killer. So, um, so I was like, oh yeah, of course, like she would be probably the one who would get turned into a vampire. Um, guys, I guys, I have a question for you. Does three hundred thousand yes. dollars for a horse sound way too expensive? A okay, couple dollars. That's I mean, a, it's, it's ten thousand years in the. Uh, I don't know what inflation's like. Considering he laid out only like ten gold coins, I guess that's not worth a whole lot. Yeah, well, at one point, the who's the one guy who was like a hundred million? Talking about. Yeah, hundred million, and they're so nonchalant about it. Like, it was, hundred million sounded like oh, a couple hundred bucks. And now we're backtrack one more time here because uh, you're missing out on Bengi's death scene. Oh, That's sure, so oh, yeah, cool. This this whole scene is is uh, in like a, a sort of Badlands type environment on an oil rig, mm-hmm. where the Marcus brothers are fighting one on one with Bengi, and he's uh, surfacing from these shadows to try to deal death and stuff. It really does look like he's swimming in the painting that he's surrounded by. And uh, I think Kyle just throws a glaive and splits him clean in half. Yeah. Kyle, Kyle gets a good one uh, before, before he's later done it, unfortunately. Doesn't begin to, I'm sorry to fucking bring it back like that. I just yeah. love that. I just love that. The whole thing is, whoever painted these scenes... Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, um, also, man. can I say that Mangie is voiced uh, by Dwight Schultz, who's like most famously known for playing Howling Mad Murdoch in the A-Team? Like I had to take a second because I was like, I recognize this like this actor's name, but I couldn't like pinpoint like who he was and like what he what he was doing. And then I realized, no, he's like in the original A team. 
Like he's like the wild man uh, in the original A Team show, uh, which yeah. I haven't watched a ton of, but I watched just enough of it. Like because my dad was a big fan of it, that I was like, huh. I never realized he was like after that he would you know kind of quietly transition to being a voice actor. Like he's now mostly just a voice actor, uh, but this is one of his first like anime voiceover roles. So fun fact there. This is like this this is a like stacked voice cast. <laughs> what yeah, I just want no, to really really try to positively stacked. And I think <laughs> speaking of stacked, uh, we have another Dimaggio character in the in the uh, flyover town here with in the sheriff who cost Layla and later D. Yeah, and he is yeah. <laughs> Also a John DiMaggio character, as you just said. Um, so yeah, we also um, meet this old man who is like the um, the horse wrangler, and he's also someone who is saved by D uh, as a young child, which again just tells you that you know D does not age. He's going to live beyond all these people, uh, really, until he gets killed in his own conflict. We don't take too kindly to damn fears around here. Yeah. Oh, I like that, like the weird, almost Western tone that that scene you would You know, what's so funny is that that guy looks like he's lifted straight out of a John Wayne movie. He kind of looks really out of place next to every other like uh, big-eyed, eyelashed, sharp-chinned individual in this movie. But I'm a sucker for this sort of that sort of stuff. Like I love when like you know these kind of worlds cr- like collide or like not collide or. Um, kind of merge together because like you think about it like in terms of like certain elements like cowboys and pirates both like existed at this basically the same time in history but we just like associate them being so wildly apart because obviously you know you know there's a group of you know cowboys are in the desert and you know pirates are on the sea and you know um and like yeah i just i saw a tweet not too long ago that was kind of explaining how like you could in theory have these stories where all these people meet because they all is kind of in the same world. It's just like, where would they meet? <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a sidebar um, that I feel like I'm, I'm losing uh, your attention. <laughs> no, I, I was just about to like uh, to step in. Weren't they privateers at that point? Oh so yeah, I nice guess they thing. would be privateers. They're not like, you know, quote unquote official vampires. <laughs> or not vampires. Why would I say vampires? Uh, they weren't official pirates. I also think this is around the time um, there's some sort of overpass before he gets to that town. I don't know if you guys saw this. I could have sworn I saw an exit sign for Florida on that overpass. Uh, I did not notice that. I didn't notice that, but I, that's a good like thing to pick up on. I mean, it's a cool scene. The scene okay. with Pope is really cool. Um, Pope's gun is freaking massive. It's He's got true. like a rail gun. No, so do you want to talk about Dee's confrontation with Charlotte? Yeah, so she she basically confirms what we all thought that she loves Meyer, and uh, then also uh, Layla gets involved in this, and we finally finally have the uh, liquid, or wait no, uh, fuck, what is God damn it, guys, sorry, uh, Carolyn, Carolyn is the liquid lady uh, vampire. Liquid lady. Uh, yeah, she she fights uh she fights D. They're in like the uh, forest. She's turning into like wood. Uh, D seemingly uh, kills her by chopping off her head, uh, but she's still alive and doesn't get killed until um, she confronts Layla, and Layla basically throws a knife at her head, which then uh, coincidentally lightning strikes it, causing her to finally explode. Talk about a freaking nat twenty, man! How that's, what needed to occur for lightning to strike exactly the knife? 
uh, let's not even think of that. It's like it's not even like generated by a character. It's not like we have like a, a character who can you know create uh, electricity or some shit. It's just yeah, Kyle, Kyle, who has like again that his that name throws me off because it's so fucking normal compared to the rest of the movie. It's like his source material name too. He's always been Kyle. But yeah, Kyle, Kyle, the goober he is. He's like fuck it. Let's just let's just kill Charlotte. Let's just you know tell tell him the job is done. But then, no, Charlotte does choose Meyer over them. And then uh, things don't go well for Kyle. Um, the werewolf man uh, takes him down finally. Werewolf man's interesting because he's not a traditional werewolf. He's got he's... A, a gaping werewolf maw coming out of he... his gut. That made him instantly cooler than a regular werewolf. It's one thing to have a werewolf. It's another to have a werewolf with, um, yeah, a stomach maw. Yeah, I was I'm a I'm a I was a fan of the Wolf Man. I gotta be honest. I forgot what his name was. I was trying to like kept being like, did they say his name out loud or did they did I miss it? I missed uh, it if I, if they had. It's never really mentioned, but I believe it's uh, Makira. The whole plot, of course, being that the Marcuses had laid some sort of charges underneath the bridge, and because it is a long bridge in the middle of nowhere, its its only purpose is to explode at sunset, and. Uh, uh, the the Lord Vampire Myers sees that Charlotte's getting taken from him forcibly, and he actually gets out into the sunlight where he starts spontaneously combusting as a as a token of his affection. Of course, yeah, yeah, that one was that was an intense. I was like, holy shit! Like, like that was again. I was like, I felt bad for Meyer. Yeah, it was Meyer, right? Yeah, that was. Yeah, he's like yeah. melting, man, and he's yeah, like, Meyer you know, at that point. I was like, oh my god, like. And that's when you realize you're like, oh, like the Marcus kind of are in the wrong here. Like Charlotte actually truly loves Meyer. Like this is a love story between these two. And they're like I, japing at him too. They're like joking and laughing while they shoot him like he's a pincushion. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the thing. This whole this whole thing, conflict could have just been like, you know, just take the girl, just give us her ring and we can say she died. So it turns out it's the worst part. Yeah, it's that it's that's like, yeah, huh, that would be too easy. <laughs> That would be too easy. But, Literally uh, too easy. And yeah, this is, uh, let's talk about sunk cost fallacy because this is what, um, <laughs> this is what Borgoff really runs into. Borgoff is not, Borgoff should just be again being like, all right, well, uh, Kyle's dead. Uh, who is it? Nolt's, Nolt's dead. Let's just fuck it. Let, we're done here. Uh, but he's pretty insistent. I love yeah, that Grover's the voice of reason of all people. Grove, like Grove dying. is not. Well, fuck, man. Grove is dying. Like, that's why you shouldn't be fucking going through with this plan at this point. I don't think we should do this. This is a good, yeah. And it's like, yeah, the three of, yeah. I mean, this is a suicide mission at this point. <laughs> oh, it completely is. And again, mm. like, you know, um, when they finally get into the castle, um, Carmilla, she's got these, like, illusions uh, skills, and she, like, uses them to uh, trick uh, Borgoff into thinking his brothers are alive. And then, of course, he just gets fucking. You know, yeah. turned into a vampire. Well, Borgov already has like the like the head like wrap like like on it. Like I guess he's wearing sort of that bandana or headband. And I was like almost like initially I was like, does he have like a head injury like before he shows up? And like and then he's like, I'm the leader, and everyone just like I don't want to lead, so I'm gonna let this guy do it. And that's why it's, everyone dies. <laughs> it's just because he's just like already like taking too many blows to the head in like training sessions or whatnot. Just he's concussed. <laughs> that explains why he's like, I'm gonna do it no matter if all my brothers and myself die. Yeah, whatever. And I guess he's actually his, his sister. I guess it's pivotal to mention at this point that the only reason that Charlotte and Myers are traveling to this castle in the first place is because there's a fucking spaceship there. 
that's going to take them <laughs> to the vampire city in space. I know. I love that. I was, when I happened, like, because I was like, I kind of have to see like the hint of this vampire space city. But I do love that there's like the vampires have the technology to be like, we have a city in space. <laughs> that's a whole nother level. I want to see more of this vampire city in space. I, I, it's unfortunate that we didn't get a scene of, of them in there at the very end. Yeah, just really yeah, hope. get into that expanse territory. <laughs> I just want to see what okay. I, I just want to. I just want to see them being let in. You know, I just want to know what these space vampires look yeah. like. But I'm sure, like in one of the 51 novels that's written about this world, <laughs> I, they, there's got to be at least one novel where they are in the space city. <laughs> discuss the finer points of the vampire aristocracy aboard the spaceship, no doubt. Exactly. I want to see what type of yeah, what type of government are they running? Dictatorship? Is it a democracy? Is it communism? Is it you know something in between? Who knows? I want, like to, a, I want to know the geopolitical ramifications of the vampire space city. <laughs> There's a legitimate claim to the vampire throne that's never. Yeah, been who's yeah, who, yeah, yeah. Hi, you know, I'm uh, you know, I'm the descendant of NASA himself. <laughs> oh, wow, NASA himself. Yeah, Jake oh. yeah. NASA here. <laughs> I'm claiming the throne of space city. Well, another thing that's kind of funny that I failed to point out before, uh, the horse that he buys from Pope is like exactly the same as the horse that gets gived at the bottom of that ravine. It's, it's literally got the same horns and everything. Like, they didn't even try. <laughs> but it's regardless. Um, yeah. the, scene, the scene where Borgoff gets killed is, is followed by a scene where Myers is strolling through what it looks like the Outer Bastards or something like that, you know, just like the column breaked into the castle. And Dee's behind one of the columns, and he's just like, uh, he's decided to come with me. She's coming home with me, Myers. How's that make you feel? And uh, before Myers can really react, he's split in half, which is confusing if, if you can't really guess what's going on. Yeah, that thing was a little, for me, I was like, I kind of went back and was like, wait a minute, did I miss something? Like, did I, I feel like I've, like... Because sometimes, like there, there was definitely. I'll be honest. Uh, I was dealing with a little bit of shoulder and neck pain. I was. I just slept wrong last night, and so there was a, a little element where I like had to deal with that while I was watching this uh, before the recording. And so there was definitely, I think, a couple of moments like that where I was like, "Wait, is it the pain that's taking me out of this, or is this just a little confusing?" I don't know if you had the same issue, Jack. Just before you, before you go forward here, there's this, there's this one part of the scene with Meyer's death. Where he's walking out, and there's like multiple different kinds of wood illustrated on the floor with an inlaid spider web pattern. And I just think about the time that takes to design, and it makes me want to break my Wacom in half. It really pisses me off. Uh, where are we in the story? Where are we in the story? Fuck. Uh, these are generally uh, Caroline's, uh, I think, Car- Carmilla. Carmilla. Carmilla's, yeah, Carmilla's delusions. Yeah. So we're there. Um... What is it? Borgoff gets turned, and then Grove has to sacrifice himself to take down Borgoff. Which, which honestly, like I think D could have just you know killed Borgoff pretty easily. We didn't need Grove to sacrifice himself, did we? I mean, no. it's a, I not really, but I mean, all the I feel like at some point the Marcus brothers just all have to die. <laughs> that's sort of like that's they their uh, lot in life. Is the, the I, Marcus brothers didn't trust the the Demfear at all. Yeah, because the whole thing is we reveal is they're doing this in a lot of ways to avenge their parents' deaths. <laughs> I, yeah, they're like, their parents are like, I hope you die avenging us. <laughs> live a short life, <laughs> but live it while you avenge our deaths. <laughs> yeah, he also gets an illusion where he's face-to-face with his biological mother, 
who's uh, apologizing for the life he's leading. And uh, D doesn't give a shit. He's like, I'm fine. This is what I've got. I'm dealing with It's okay. Like, I get it. You fell in love with my vampire father. His characteristic coolness it just slices his mom clean in half. Yeah, yeah it was kind of wild. I was like, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck's happening? It was good. But I don't know. That, that was the moment where you're like, okay, D's a badass. Well, he was already a badass before, like him, especially him dealing with the heat syndrome stuff. So so Carmilla gets killed, D D kills her spirit form, and then Meyer destroys her physical body. Um, we get a clash with them. So we, I, I'm, I'm confused. Is is Charlotte dead, dead, or is she going to be resurrected as a vampire? She's bleeding out for sure. Um, like she was sacrificed, for lack of a better term. She was fooled into thinking that Meyer wanted to make her a, the full vampire, or share whatever, like they were talking about in a previous scene, and thought she was being led. By the way, such a cool scene where the like he, Myers, Myers in air quotes is biting Charlotte's neck and like they're doing a lazy Susan spin where he has his arm out very Dracula style, you know, love that. And, um, Charlotte's bleeding out because she's a blood sacrifice for Carmilla, which is, uh, what's filling Charlotte. Fuck me. There's too many C names. There's too yeah. many C names. Yeah. yeah I, I will say like, the, as we were saying, I was like, yeah, it's like, it's Caroline, Carmilla. Caroline, Charlotte, Carmilla. That's a lot of C's. For, for, and two. those are all the three lead like female characters. So it's just like, oh okay. I am a white male in the year of 2022. My attention span does not go longer than 1.5 seconds at a time. <laughs> yeah. You have to keep me involved somehow, or else I'm gonna confuse Charlotte with Carolina with uh yeah. Carmilla. I either listen to I either watch, you know, 20 second TikToks or I listen to three hour long podcasts and nothing in between. <laughs> That's a good gradient to operate off of still. So yeah, the the vampire queen is being reanimated via blood sacrifice of uh, a willing participant, or maybe unwilling. Who knows anymore? Uh, you get a nice little scene of Myers snapping his two halves back together, which I thought was kind of uh, comedic almost. From the the blood crypt, uh, D is face to face with an illusion of Carmilla, who is trying to uh, fry him with force lightning. Uh, D does. Uh, power up. He unleashes his his uh, vampire K.O. Ken and shields himself from the lightning to dispel the illusion which I think physically harms Carmilla because she's like dashing towards Charlotte presumably to wear her skin and uh, D puts a stop to that in a very beautiful 60 frame per second animated scene of a being made of liquid running on all fours. It's like a very dense 15 minutes in the movie. It, it, there's, oh, a lot sure. that, there's a lot that happens. Characters' allegiances uh, switch and change uh, quite a bit in those 15 minutes. Yeah, because um, it takes you like those those, uh, those moments where you're like, wait, but I thought this was what was happening. No, this is what's yeah. happening. Wait, don't forget about this character. This character's going to show up. And I think we already kind of talked about the ending, which is, you know, the fact that, you know, they get to depart to the uh, to the space vampire sanctuary, which when you say it out loud... When you say it out loud. The way you said it, it doesn't sound so silly. When you, when you say that they boarded their Falcon Heavy rocket ship in the middle of this cathedral and blasted off to be on a space station also styled like a 40K cathedral, uh, <laughs> it's great. This whole scene is good. And Again, go ahead, again this, this movie is fucking gorgeous, but it's just hard to articulate because it is something you just have to watch. I mean, it, it's, it's an entirely visual. Um, you know, I don't want to bash the story, but, you know, I, I you know, 
it was the visuals that were keeping me invested in this film. Oh yeah, sure. And this is during the era where style and substance were very strangely intermingled. Where nowadays it would be all style over substance. The style was the substance back then. Mm. You had to just kind of either like it or not. And I love style. This style, no, okay. yeah. Here, the style, like the art style and all that, yeah, it's so interesting. And the fact that, yeah, it's playing around with kind of so many different almost genre tropes, whether it's like, you know, you have like, you know, again, this Western element that kind of shows up. You have this like, what I consider this like vampire goth element that was very prevalent in that era. You know, you end up having like, you know, there's these scenes that are like really like bright and they're in this like lush forests and like, you know, get a lot of like vibrant greens. And then you have like, you know, the the sci-fi of like, the you know, the tunnel sequence where it's like this blue, yeah almost like almost like matrixy but it's not quite matrixy like moment uh like it's just everything but it all comes together like you you know and then you have like these like kind of these like i just keep thinking about the opening moment with again all the crucifixes and like you know and that like it just it all is like this mishmash that for whatever reason like on a stylistic level for me like really works it's a very western future fantasy yeah. yeah, like I don't even want to. Like, it's like hard to pinpoint it. Like I, it's like I don't want to be like, oh, it's a neo uh, Western ish story, but it's like in some ways it is, and in a lot of other ways it's not. Uh, I think the only thing with me is like at the very end, with was that Layla's like granddaughter is shown, and I was like, it <laughs> was such a weird kind of time jump for me. It was, but it makes sense because, you know, Layla and uh, D make this pact where it's basically like they'll visit the grave of whoever dies first. And, you know, obviously D is pretty much immortal. So he's not going to, um, unless someone actually like kills him, kills him. Then, you know, he was the one who was going to fulfill that promise. And then obviously, yeah, I guess, I guess that makes sense. It's almost like I almost didn't feel like I needed that scene. Like I because I was like, I, oh, I, I, I think I did. I, I disagree. Well, I kinda I think it's for me, it's like you kind of hope that like you're like, you know, lot, you know, there'd be kind of more adventures with uh, like oh, you know, opening that door with more adventures between D and Lila, but I guess it's also well, a movie, so it, it is a movie. You can always do it. prequels. Well, I think yeah, Layla is like I think she's only featured in that one novel too. So, you know. Oh. It, yeah, that's true. So there's the other. Oh, I thought she was going to be like a main character in like these like stories. So it's an anthology. No, I, I, I mean that's what it is. It's an anthology. You know, every story is just D going somewhere, and you know, a pro- he has yeah. to solve a problem. It's a, yeah, it's a vampire procedural. Yeah, yeah. Or, or it's you know like again like a western. You know, he's yeah. he vampire wanders, hunter D. He's the man CBS. with <laughs> he's the man with no name. You know. I guess that's true. Yeah, he is that. The dimes are leaving um, the, my pocket for, for an American serialization of the source material. I would watch it endlessly. The the final line in this film is made by Left Hand, and he says, "Well, that was nice. You're not so bad after all. You just dress bad." <laughs> That's Smash the final line to Vampire D Bloodlust. Um, final line in the film. Credits roll. <laughs> the whole thing is um, it, it's it's different from the source material in in a lot of good ways. Charlotte is not even the character's name in the source material. She's just unnamed in general. And for another thing, Layla is is very uh, abused by the Marcus brothers in the source material in, in a very uh, in, a, in a super bad way. But the whole thing was supposed to be that Dee is the healing factor in her life, who tells her that you know at least someone is going to go to your grave to to drop some flowers off. He was very pleasantly surprised to see so many. At the end of it all, it's a super good story, beautifully animated. 
I think now we can get into our, our favorite segment of this. Uh, Sasha, cue the music. Speed wagon, 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 speed wagon. Allow me to elucidate ya. The name is Robert E.O. Speedwagon. So for those just joining in, the the Robert E.O. Speedwagon is uh, our award for our favorite supporting character in this uh, film. And uh, as always, I'll go first. I gotta go with, I just want to get make sure that my pronunciation is right, uh, the old man of Barbaros. Because, uh, you know, an old man vampire on a unicycle is a pretty tough visual to beat. Uh, I would say Makira, the uh, the wolf man with a, a stomach maw, was also a close second, but old man vampire on a unicycle man. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, he that's again, that's such a great visual. Uh, again, another uh, one of the two characters that Dwight Schultz uh, voices. I, I respect that choice. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess I can go next. Um, I'll give uh, Harper some more time. Uh, I do like that before that start you. As always, I'll I'll go first, and then like long time listeners will notice that that's not the case, and it just changes every episode. Most time, most times, I think you do go first, but there are there are exceptions. But I, I don't know why. I just like, thought it was funny. Uh, but um, yeah, for me, I'm gonna go with um, it was I, it was a toss up. I had I, there was a toss up between three characters. Uh, Nolt, uh, as I was saying before, mm-hmm. I was a fan of Nolt. Uh, I was. I also liked uh, the sheriff. Uh, just like again, he's just like uh, a Western guy, like just more traditional Western uh, character, like just kind of shows up in the uh, in this movie. Uh, but I have to go with uh, Mashira. I think that's how you say it. Uh, Makara, maybe uh, one of those two. Um, I he can't beat a wolf man who, when he's in his like actual wolf like form, has like a mouth on the stomach. I just I love just like the character design of it. I thought it was, you know, just a really entertaining visually. Uh, I was really hooked every time it was on. Like, he's just, like, so, like, out there compared to a lot of these other characters. Uh, also, I realized as I was, like, looking at the cast list that the one uh, defining feature of the three characters that I was, like, most drawn to is that they're all voiced by John DiMaggio. <laughs> and that was not intentional. Uh, it was just as I was looking, I was like, oh, yeah, what the hell? <laughs> so, um my sim for John DiMaggio's voice acting in this movie. Uh, it turns out I might, I might be. <laughs> uh, what about you, Harper? Uh, I have a uh, only one pick for a favorite supported character, and that's Pope. Uh, Pope is truly what I aspire to be when I'm old and don't give a shit. Uh, <laughs> he pointed a gun at the law with zero fear, not even a tremble in his voice, sold his horse for way above normal asking price. The blue book value on that thing couldn't have been more than 100000 And... Uh, Deals with vampires as if they were just school children passing before him. Life obviously means nothing to Pope and other people's lives even less so. He is a Chad. You know what? That's fair. That's fair. I actually uh... think this movie, like, I think there's a lot of movies in the past that we've covered where it's really hard to pick a character to, like, you know, to be like, okay, who would be the Speedwagon here? I got to give credit to this movie that, like, all so many of the supporting characters here, like, everyone shows up and they kind of have this thing about them where you're like, Oh, this person's really interesting. This person's really interesting. So I got to give uh, props uh, there. Like it was just this was actually a really tough one. And that I love that we had funny. all ha- we had three different people. Final thoughts on Vampire Hunter D: Bloodlust. 
it's weird. I enjoy this movie. It's very visual. Like it's it's fucking gorgeous. But I think I'm a bit, you know, I f- I feel bad, Harper, because this seems like a very important movie to you. And I'm like, you know, I enjoyed it. I don't know if this is gonna be, you know, a rewatchable movie for me. Um, I think of our kind of like '80s and '90s movies that we've covered. I've definitely uh, there's been some others that have just stuck more with me, like Ghost in the Shell and Akira, of course. Oh, sure. So. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, yeah, it it's an enjoyable movie. I'm glad I watched it, uh, but it is not among my favorites of our uh, kind of uh, and def, you know, obviously the Satoshi Kon movies are things that I've rewatched long before uh, we even did this podcast. So, yeah, I think it's worth watching. I would I would rather play the video game of this. I I wish the perfect video game existed of this. You know what I mean. Yeah, this film has a lot of sentimental value to me in the first place. No no slight taken in the least. I have a lot of movies around this time that I'm really fond of, especially just for stylistic purposes. Um, have you ever seen Writing Bean? There's a recommended for a future episode, possibly. You boys check Ooh. out Writing Bean. Well, we might have to, we'll, we'll have to bring you back for that, potentially. Oh. Wink, wink, I'm winking loudly. <laughs> <laughs> audibly winking. Oh, yeah, he's audibly winking. I love this freaking movie. If it was a woman, I'd have sex with it. (laughs) (laughs) So fucking good. If they put this in the theater these days, people would be sucking their dick constantly. No one would shut the fuck up about this movie. It's all hand done. It looks gorgeous. The frames are perfect. Uh, I love vampires. Vampires are fucking cool. Um, It's a great movie. I would like to see this in theaters. I will say, like, there are, like, some, like, local theaters here, like, in Vancouver, yeah. uh, shout out to the Rio in particular, where they'll, like, you know, on occasion do one-off nights of just, like, classic, uh, like, anime movies. A lot of times it's, you know, kind of the usual suspects. It's, you know, um, I mean, we, we Studio saw... Ghibli. It's, you know, Kira. It's, yeah. uh, you know. We saw Akira uh, at Scotiabank. We saw Akira at Scotiabank. Yeah. Like, so I guess that was when does it too. And that, but that was like in the height of the pandemic movies when were, like when like no movies were playing, right? That's exactly. True. But like I I think this would be a really cool thing to see in theaters. Oh, well, for I gotta, sure. I, I got to give you that, Harper. Okay, it would have been cool to see the I, movies too. Yeah, I almost feel guilty that I watched this on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> like that is But the, that but is, to be fair, you find it. The YouTube version we watched though is like only a year old and it's like very good quality. Yeah, they don't drop frames. I, I watched the same one before coming back in here. It's just no, what they, they don't. Yeah, they don't. It, it's a good upload. It's um, a good upload. Props to whoever did that. I mean, props to whoever. I, I'm always fascinated by like these. Like, I think it's mostly English dubs. I think probably the Japanese ones are harder to upload because the, those companies probably care about it more. But I think this movie is probably just in like licensing limbo, which is why it, it gets away with that. Oh, also, for don't sure. go looking for the copy on YouTube. It doesn't exist. Don't look for it. YouTube, don't worry about it. <laughs> Yeah, it, yeah, real. we 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 just all were in a fugue state. We paid for <laughs> we a coffee. I, I flew out to Malcolm to watch this in person. Yeah, exactly. We bought this on uh, www.amazon.ca.com.org.net. I think it's time for plugs, guys. Uh, Harper, do you want to go first? I, I do not want to be found. I'm emanating from a, the, the most legally free place in the world. And that means that I have zero restrictions on anything that would normally be associated with crime or ne'er-do-well doings. I prefer to keep it that way. No one should know where I am. 
Listen, we have uh, we've had that in the past. We have uh, private citizen Dom. Uh, we've got you know others. So uh, welcome to the club. I'm a what do they call that in those articles of the Confederation? I'm a I'm a free citizen. I'm a free oh, sovereign person. citizen. You're a sovereign, I'm a sovereign citizen. citizen. Yeah. I was not driving officer. I was operating my land boat. Exactly. Even though there's boating licenses, <laughs> but uh, um, the open asphalt sea. Exactly. Finally, someone someone gets it. Sovereign right. guest Buck Harper. <laughs> and um, you can find me at uh, Jack is Jack on Instagram and Only Real Jack M on Twitter. Malcolm, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter at Malcolm R J McLeod. Also on Instagram at Malcolm R J McLeod. Uh, if you enjoyed this, uh, you can follow the podcast on at is this Anime Pod. We're both on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, if you have been listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please feel free to leave some stars, uh, leave us a review, send us a message. Uh, you know, it really helps a podcast like us out when you you know give some stars and uh, you know word of mouth helps us out a lot. Um, as I, I said, as uh, helps us out a lot multiple times now. Uh, so yikes. Um, I'm just joking. Uh, yeah, please. Uh, any feedback when you reach out, it really helps guide the show. Uh, your suggestions in the past have helped, you know, program a few episodes. So please keep it going. I uh, really appreciate it. Uh, anyways, uh, I think this about wraps it up. Uh, I don't think, I think we kind of, you know, can close the chapter on this adaptation of Vampire Hunter the Bloodlust. Uh, this was, yeah, a really fun movie. And uh, I'm glad uh, we were able to do this. And uh, also, I want to say, uh, you know, Harper knows him, but uh, almost apologies to uh, Robert Delilah, past guest. Uh, in one of his first episodes and uh, appearances, he teased that he wanted to do this. Uh, cover this movie, but uh, he couldn't make it, uh, and that's uh, you know what, that's on him. <laughs> so so uh, I you know get to tease him for that. Uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, and remember, uh, I want to ride my unicycle. Walk off. <laughs> <laughs> L- later, power bottoms.